Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Tuesday. So you know what you can expect in the off-season from us on a Tuesday. This is a continuation of Gore Girl Girl Summer. Summer. And today we have a very special guest for you. Rest assured. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of business to discuss. We have a new logo. You might have seen it. It's on all of our channels. It's on all of our social media now. This is something that we have been trying to put in place for a very long time. Really, since the (laughs) the first podcast that we ever did, whatever that was, two and a half years roughly ago, we wanted this to look official. We wanted our logo to look good. Unfortunately, all we had in the beginning was the demonic meme that I made of the Dark Lord Harrison. And then once he was dismissed from our beloved game, we changed it to just kind of a temp logo that said Game of Roses with a kind of pink and yellow pinwheel behind it. But now 
we feel like we finally have something that is good, that looks like what we want it to look like. And we are very excited to share this logo with everyone. And one way that we are sharing it is we have new merch. We have our first apparel with the new logo on it. And it's not a sweatshirt. It's a t-shirt. You can get one that's black. You can get one that's white. And you just go to gameofroses.co. That's com without the M. It's cooler that way. That's right. Dot coms are so last decade. This is dot co. So we hope that you go there. We hope that you pick some of those up. You have plenty of time to get your orders in before the Windekia season starts so that you can roll into your viewing parties with this new Game of Roses logo. And then you can drag whoever you want into the pit when they're like, what's Game of Roses? What is that? And you can be like, let me tell you exactly what it is. But once I do tell you, you won't be the same. There's no turning back. So we hope that you can (laughs) drag some people down here with us and enjoy these shirts. Sounds like a fun conversation to have with your friends. (laughs) I've had that conversation at this point probably 500 fucking times. All your doctors. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doctors, all my lawyers, my mailman, everybody at the grocery store, everybody in the gymnasium. But at this point, it's just like a switch gets thrown. I can't even stop myself at this point. So... Hopefully, if you're at that point as well, the shirt will help you out a little bit. But now comes that time where we are going to give you what you came here for. This interview was so fun to do. Yes. We can't thank this person enough for joining us, and we hope you enjoy it's it. one of my favorites in the Bachelor fan podcasting journalism space. <laughs> Me too. Here we go. Welcome to the pit. Today, we are humbled, we are honored to have our next visitor at Give Roses for Gore Girl Summer, Dave Neal. He is a a master in the Bachelor journalism space. Please welcome him to the pit. Wow, the Bachelor journalism space. Uh, this is good credentials. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, the, the fan Bachelor journalism space, to be clear. Not a former player. <laughs> this is a distinction that Nick Vial made. <laughs> <laughs> of, um, of, non, of non-former players, we are probably on some form of, uh, you know, some Hall of Fame somewhere, I would think. Yeah, we're at least in the top 100 of non-player <laughs> fan podcast media coverage of The Bachelor. Uh, Dave, you have 14.1 thousand Instagram followers. You've got 54.5K YouTube subscribers, which is actually huge in the world, even of The Bachelor. There's only like a few Bachelor players who are really doing it big in YouTube, I feel like. So you're up there. And then you also have 11.3K on another channel called The Dave Neal Show, where you're doing kind of uh, pop culture analysis. That is not Bachelor related, which is astounding to me that you have enough time to do any of that. Well, I learned the algorithm of YouTube um, almost uh, the niche of Bachelor is so uh, rabid that all of my non-Bachelor content wasn't getting any views because it wasn't living up to the Bachelor's audience. So I created Mm. a completely Mm. separate channel, which immediately took off as long as I was like, listen, I don't want anyone to subscribe unless you're going to watch my non-Bachelor stuff. And... 
this week it doubled in subscribers because of the Johnny Depp stories. Which, God, they're great. Good for you. But uh, we're always astounded by everything you do. It's always so high quality. The production value is insane. And you're constantly turning it out. The volume that you're producing is just obviously unmatched. Yeah. It seems like you are trapped in that green screen room. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I, I don't go. I've, 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 you know, okay. Uh, well, well, I don't remember what the movie was when they were building planes. They were like, we need to grind down every screw on the plane to make it as aerodynamic as possible. That's what I've made my studio. No post-production. Mm-hmm. Everything's ready to go. And I can just make more content because my audience oh, wow. doesn't care if it's jumpy and cool edits. If I can't touch it on the soundboard, it's not important, you know? So you don't do any editing? That movie, by the way, was Howard Hughes starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No, um, that's what it was. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's me. I don't do the only time I'll do editing is if I have a serious glitch happens that really affects the quality. Most of right. any issues that happen while I'm recording just become like a stand up set when someone sneezes in the audience. It's like, this is it. I'm going to give you 15 minutes for every video, give or take five minutes. I'm mm. going to try to keep it in a certain range. And then and then what happens happens. Now, obviously, there's been cases where I'll say something completely not what I was trying to say. Or like I said, mm. it's more so tech issues. If I have a tech issue, I'll reshoot something. But for the most part, it's it's probably 99% of the time just what I, you know, hit the red button and just get going. But how much prep are you doing? Because you have a lot of picture in picture in your stuff. You're constantly throwing to clips and images from the internet and things of that nature. Well, and I love that you're asking because no one no one cares about this. I, I'm fascinated by it because <laughs> we're thinking of like doing some video stuff too at a certain point and I'm just like, I'm doing another podcast right now that's like a heavy video component, but you know, I'm not necessarily doing it. So I'm like, if we're going to do it on this podcast, I feel like I need to learn this shit and I'm always astounded by it. I basically set up a timeline on my Google Chrome where I'll just have tabs open. I'll set all the tabs up of what I want to talk about and then I'll go left to right. And when I have multiple videos that I'm making in a day, I mean, I go through hundreds of tabs. I just try to delete them as I go. So right now I've got like 15 tabs open of a Matt James video that's not really needed for today because the day's kind of over. So we'll get that up first thing in the morning. And then I'll have screen grabs. Us Weekly is the worst website in the world that always crashes on me. So I'll screen grab. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. Terrible. Agree, it's, it's always like, worst. do you want to wait for the website? I'm like, what are we waiting for? So I have to like screen grab it and have it ready. Whereas most YouTube, and by the way, how funny is this? My career is literally 100% bachelor content on YouTube. And I wasn't even paying for the YouTube premium until like three days ago. So like Fantastic. random ads would pop up and people are like, Dave, can you afford to pay? And I was like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I should. And then I got the YouTube premium and now I'm zipping around. I, got gave all, I gave in. So there's yeah. my $10 a month, but yeah. So my brain um, does not operate in a very structured way. So having everything lined up will get me to the beginning and the end. If I'm making mm-hmm. a 15 minute video, I try to get my thesis statement up front, which usually mimics whatever the thumbnail is. Uh, I used to make the thumbnail after. Now I make mm-hmm. it before. Now it's like way more visual. I can like look at a yeah. thumbnail and it'll have the story within the thumbnail. And that'll kind of Great. get me through the intro. And then the second, the back half of the video is barrel scraping Dave. That's like what, like whatever bits come to mind, whatever yeah. random rants. You barrel know. scraping Dave. I hope we get barrel scraping Dave today on this interview. <laughs> It's it's that time of year. Trust me. And what is your, if I may ask, what is your process with this? 
because I'm assuming nobody else is aggregating this news for you. This is all you looking at Reddit, looking at Us Weekly. And do you, so do you wake up every morning and just go through the news and say, like, here's my videos? Well, there's there's cancel, cancel the dinner plans news, which my fiance, Tasha, she knows this is our this is her ticket out of you know, her job. And she, she knows like, sometimes if I get, I'll get several messages in a row that like, there's a pressing story. Uh, oh. that doesn't happen so much anymore, but the TikTok Clayton video happened when we were at the beach. And I was like, Oh, if we were anywhere, but the beach, I could have made this video, <laughs> but you know, like I got to have an, an ounce of good, uh, production Future quality. Grant. Yeah. So I waited till Sunday to make that video. Cause that happened on a Saturday, but I kind of, but I was watching, I was watching it all go down and I was like, okay. And then there comes a point where I go, do I have enough do I have enough to make a video? Sometimes it's just a tweet. Sometimes it's Tasha mm-hmm. liking uh, in a passive aggressive thing or Claire. And it's as simple <laughs> as that. And then we can like get into the nitty gritty. And some, some of the barrel scraping, the funniest parts are those moments. And like, you guys are in entertainment. We all know like improv, you know, you get a one word suggestion. Sure. Next thing you know, you got a feature film made out of it. Like things can go in any sort of direction. But what I've learned is, if I made a video title saying, here are your bachelor highlights of the week, bomb, nothing. But if I have a video title, that's like Maddie Pruitt wore uh, clothes from a slave labor, you know, company like, whoa, what's this story? So very specific titles and thumbnails, and then a more of a broad conversation after that. But how do you determine in the morning? Like what, what are the things that you're going to talk about? Well, I just know when certain people are in the news, it's just, it's just money. Um, so today, like today, like Maddie, Maddie has this Christian culture dynamic that drives people wild. It gets wild views. Um, the same, we get a ton when Tasha finally says something because she's so guarded versus other contestants are already kind of like going to say whatever they want. So they're, mm-hmm. they're not worth as much. You just kind of, you just kind of begin to know what's really popular. I hate making like videos of so-and-so having a baby. I have no interest in like, those are fine. And I'm not one of those, like, if it bleeds, it leads. It's chaos all the time. We have very, we have very sort of like centrist conversations about the different sides of a topic. But at the same time, I think thumbnail titles stick out to me now because I've done this for a little bit. So if someone says something that you can see like that moment of them being authentic and ripping someone else or an unfollow, like you can just kind of tell when you're like, oh, I can do something with that thumbnail. People will watch that. Let's let's go back for a second here. Where where did you grow up? What did you grow up watching? You're from Syracuse, New York. Very far right? from. Well, close relatively. I'm from Newport, Rhode Island. Um. So oh. yeah, I don't know. I lived in New York City, but I don't think I've ever been to Syracuse. Wait, why do I have Syracuse written here? There might be a pro oh, basketball player named Dave Neal from Syracuse. That might that might be something. Uh, there's a couple. My I'm not successful enough to be the only Dave Neal in Google, um, but not I have yet. passed. I have passed a few lawyers that have my, the DaveNeal.com. Need some more previews. <laughs> uh, but no, I grew up uh, raised by a single mom. Uh, remarried. She remarried when I was like 11. To my stepdad. They're still together. Good people. But um, very much just like the perfect little town where you can just ride your bike everywhere and not have to deal with parents and home at sunset, you know, that perfect late nineties mm-hmm. lifestyle race cars and pogs and in little league, you know, um, I didn't, I, I started watching the bachelor 
um, you know, random seasons. Um, the uh, Vienna and Jake caught that season, you know, just randomly. College came around. I didn't watch any TV for years, just partying and all that. Um, and then I got back. Hell to, yeah, dude. It, yeah, you know what I mean? Just like, uh, I think we, I think Lost was much must watch TV when I was in college and that was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. when, and then I started watching again uh, eight or nine years ago. And I was like, well, this would be fun to recap. Let's, let's, you know, I was doing stand up comedy and I was like, this, this seems to be a type of thing where as a guy, now listen, I know, I know people are a little exhausted with the white male points of view on issues, but of all niches, the bachelor niche is a smart one for men to get into because it is a little bit underserved with men. There aren't many men who talk mm -hmm. about it that weren't on the show. Um, and I posted a video. I was randomly in Kentucky at my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance. And like, it was like, uh, I got up early before everyone woke up to go outside to make a video. Cause you know, when you're staying with like your in-laws or your, your girlfriend's parents, even like making a coffee in the morning, I feel like I'm sneaking around when I'm the only one up, <laughs> you know, like I, I went to make like a really you know, coffee at 7am. No one's up yet. And like I poured the coffee in, but then the grinder tool went off even though I, uh, I already had grounded coffee. So the thing it's making all this noise. I'm like, ah, I'm ready to like throw it out the window. I'm trying to be all quiet. I go outside with a little, this little microphone, the audio quality was terrible. And it was like, it was winter in Kentucky. So it was cold. I was in a sweatshirt air, you know, you could see my own breath and I had my notes written down and I did the same thing I do now, no edits. And I just read my notes. And for several years, I would just read my notes that I would hand write. And it kind of became, that kind of became part of the the uh, no edits thing where I would just be like, what am I, you know, I kind of riff over what I was saying and fill in the blanks. Um, when I uploaded that video, you know, a couple hundred views, I had no following and a lot of comments from people. It wasn't good quality on my end, but I was like, oh, I can't believe there's this many people that found me because I'd never made content that was so searchable like Bachelor is. Right. Whereas, you know, you post mm -hmm. a stand up comedy clip, it just just falls into the ether. There's so much, there's just so much saturation there. So for, Five or six years, all I did was uh, recaps when the show was happening. It wasn't until the pandemic that I was making a lot of other types of content that I was like, let's just try to make the news. Let's try to make daily content. And then it immediately took off. As soon as people mm -hmm. could trust I was going to have a video up every day, then it exponentially took off and became a full-time job. And I was like, I was in the pandemic like everyone else. I was on unemployment. I was, I started to see a few bumps in, in like, I saw, I had one day a video made $80 and I was like, holy crap, this video made $80. This was wild. And then it kind of became regularly in the hundreds and it all took off sort of all at once. And I was like, all right, at that time, my my thinking was, but I'm not going to be on unemployment anymore because in my time, I'm like, I'm in the pandemic. I'm going to be unemployed until my my industry is open back up and all these things. And I had to wrap my head around like, oh, I can actually start a full time job now in the middle of the pandemic while I'm just doing what I've already done, but make it consistent. And and until this month, it's been nonstop content since then. Now it's starting to calm down. Right. Cause we're in the off season pretty much. First off season, really without, there were some with a little bit, you know, first like deep, what, four or five month off season. Yeah. 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 In a while, a couple of years. I feel like we started, we started taking off during the pandemic as well. Like I was on unemployment, there were no shows and then we just started doing this full time as well. Yeah, it so made it makes perfect thing. sense. Um I was following some some of my favorite independent news 
in, in, in internet news that I follow is a Dave Pacman show. He does progressive mm. news, but he does it in the same format that I do with, which is like very, very much streaming. And there's, con- there's so much content up every day. And this other guy named meet Kevin. And I kind of looked at their different strategies. One, you know, meet Kevin was more government stock, uh, you know, in uh, stock market and Dave Pacman progressive news. And I was like, all right, how do I apply their formats and their structure into what I do? And I kind of Googled all the different types of gear and kind mm-hmm. of just like kind of duct taped it all together with what I have. Um, and what I learned is that with what I do, mealtime videos, they're really people looking for a 10, 15, 20 minute long video so they don't have to scroll for something. So it's people that are doing the dishes, breastfeeding, uh, cleaning, you know, whatever they're doing. It's kind of like a passive thing to have my content on. And what I learned from that, while it's not for everybody, uh, so many people have made me a part of their life. Like 55,000 fo- subscribers isn't a lot, but on some of these months, we we're getting 15 million impressions and up to two and a half million views a month, which turns into over 10 to 15 million watch minutes because the content's longer. So unlike these TikTok views, which you know anyone can go viral, these were like real deep, long, uh, you know, there's a lot of people watching this content. And so gifts started to come in donations. I mean, we get a donation like every day for coffee or for this, and we got a juicer sent to us and wild. I mean, just have a wall of people sending in crocheted artwork and roses. And, and it's so humble. We got a, we got a, we got a block of Parmesan cheese this week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I shit you not. It's, it's this big. It was from like Harry and David. $75 $75 cheese. So, and I, I'm like, so oh my for gosh. my birthday dinner, I had like cheap uh, pizza and I'm, I got this cheese. I'm just kind of getting people, <laughs> but I'm like, if people, um, you know, I went, once I vet people, they get the address and then, you know, we get a lot of those things sent to us. And it's, you know, even though it's a niche community, they've become part of the family. They come to stand up shows, they give gifts to the dog and the fiance. And it's that's awesome. mind blowing. What was there a moment when you like made, like maybe a certain investment, a green screen, a ring light where you're like, I'm committing to this. I'm in it. Well, the, the so the green screen's the cheapest of everything. It's $10, you know? So that was something that was, I'm a huge Amazon like junkie and my fiance always has to be like, what are you buying? But I bought this cord that connects my nice camera to my computer. It's a hundred, but it's a hundred dollars. And I was like, I couldn't find it cheaper anywhere else. It's called like a cam link. Um, and it's what makes your digital camera process as a webcam into your computer. By buying that, I was able to take all of the other tools that I already had from my podcasting days and keep and get good production value. So I already had my roadcaster, which I bought in the beginning of the pandemic, which is like an $800 mixer with allows me to have different phone calls and sound beds and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then all the other software was relatively free. So I had, I had a lot of the tools from the podcast and was able to make it all into this format. Before I went like day to day, I was just recording on my camera and then doing post-production and it was just slowing me down. And I realized all this hard work I was putting into like making, like when, whenever there's a new season and they're like, meet the men, you guys know how it is. You try to cut and crop 30 mm. different guys and you're adding Photoshop elements to it. It is wildly time consuming and my audience just doesn't care. Audio is more important to them. Uh, because, you know, they're going to be, it's more of a, even though it's on YouTube, it's, it's become more of um more of an, an importance to communicate my message as if they were maybe not watching 
even though you're mm -hmm. going to get people that yeah. just watch, but you're going to get a lot of people that'll put it on and get other work done at the office and this and that. And once I kind of understood that, I was like, let's stop wasting our time with the, the things that someone else is going to do better. It's, I'm not, it's, even though it's on YouTube, it's not as much a visual platform as like Instagram is. Right. How, how long do you think it took you to get this technically proficient with all the stuff that you need to use to put on your show? Because at this point, you're basically like a one person production company. Well, it's a good. Yeah. I love these questions because no one else asks me these things. My, uh, my, <laughs> but, but I'll be like, I was talking to my fiance, Tasha, and she was like, how did you learn how to do that? Because I've got this thing called a stream deck, which is right here. I'm, I don't, for the video showing it, it's just 15 buttons on, it's it's essentially a way for me to click on everything I want to click on. And it's almost like the piano of the editor and everything's got to, I, I have to know what finger touches what, um, you know, if I hit the wrong button, it ends the live stream. You don't want to do that. So I had to like teach myself how to do all this, but it was a little, it was a little clunky at first, but I've slowly added one element at a time to it. And now I've, I now I have a button I can press that'll switch my whole setup from Bachelor News to the Dave Neal Show, which is the non-Bachelor channel. And it switches all the graphics I've already made. So in hindsight, I've got so many rungs on a ladder that it all makes sense. It all looks like it's kind of held up, you know, with duct tape. But it did take me several months to kind of figure it out and then slowly add different elements, different sounds mm. different. I mean, I finally, I've just started to add like video conferencing and things like that. Um, but I did seven years of recapping the show where I had to learn to talk into a camera to somebody as if they're listening, even though I'm in the room by myself and right. plus 10 years of stand up, 15 years in acting. So there's a lot of little things that apply to it that a lot of times, and I, and I have zero bitterness towards this, but a lot of people on Reddit like they kind of know how to get under my skin. They'll be like, oh, he just steals content from us. And I'm like, you're missing, you're missing what this is all about because it's yeah. not, it's not about the content. It's about of like, it's about like manufacturing rage. If I want to go on a rant about something I don't really care about, but we're talking like um, Maddie, <laughs> you know, Maddie Pruitt just started dating a billionaire. And all I wanted to talk about was his Christian comb over haircut. Like I just like all like <laughs> find really specific, irreverent things to talk about. And then create inside jokes with the community when I become barrel scraping Dave or linen shirt Dave or, you know, all these different things <laughs> that, different Daves. that like someone like um, I don't expect like if someone uh, who was it, you know what it was? It was Thomas Becca's uh, boyfriend, big body trash can. Thomas sent me a DM and yet random randomly you'll get DMs from people because like, you know, either they listen to you or they know about you and they want to either be in favorable light or whatever. He sent me a DM uh, as at the, at talking to barrel scraping Dave and he, and he included terms that you would have to really research to find out. They're just like throwaway jokes that I've made. And I was like, Oh, Thomas has been watching. He's a super fan. That's awesome. <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, you should come to a stand up show. Fan. And I don't hear back from him. And I'm like, maybe Becca doesn't like me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of Becca and big body trash can, did you, Check out the live show. Have you ever been to a Bachelor Live on stage? It looks like something I would never want to be a part of unless they asked me to open for them. No, did you? Well, I don't think that will happen. I I went to it with Dark Seeker, Grace Ann Parks, our our uh, social media coordinator and kind of all around superstar. Uh, it was horrifying, but I think as especially for you, somebody who covers this world as in-depth as you do, you have to attend one of these. You have to see it for yourself. It basically is like a bachelor convention 
that, but not quite because it's done at such a low level. The producers who are making it, it's so chintzy. It's barrel scraping, Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely barrel scraping. But like the audience is, this is what a Bachelor con would be. This is like the beginning of it. And I think there's a, a way to expand this, honestly. Um, I don't know if, if it, it's, it requires some time and some effort and all of that. And I don't know that the people who currently put it on are willing to do that. But you can see the the beginnings of something like that. Uh, it's interesting. I know Reality Steve asked me, he was like, have you seen this thing? And, and like, it's hard yeah. to shit on something when you haven't seen it. But I struggle. I know The Bachelor treats their audience as if like they're going to eat whatever slop we feed them. And Correct. you see that with every Bachelor podcast. I always commend you guys and certain other podcasts for having good production quality because you just don't see it from a show that should have a studio. I mean, they should have a studio in every major market that the that they can go record in and get high quality. Uh -huh. I mean, we're, we're yep. not in we're not in week three of the pandemic here, folks. Like, let's get to it. Um, so knowing that, I just imagine that the producers, it's not it doesn't seem like it's a big money maker to them. They're canceling shows. I'm assuming the shows are canceling because they didn't have ticket sales. So, you know, you can find any theater in any part of the country to, to rent out as long as you can mm. sell half the room. There's comedians yeah. that rent out theaters that you've never heard of before because they can sell, drive enough tickets and it's an easy sell. So I don't understand. I like, I don't understand what, who, who, who's the driving force behind it because it seems like a lot of work. It's Warner brothers live events. Really? Yeah. Um, but I think as you're saying, it's kind of an afterthought and there are so many just like super simple ways to promote this, to market this, to make it what it actually could be. But instead, they put out a couple of Instagram posts and Becca Cooper's like, we're going to be in these cities. And they put out that shitty fucking little, just a chart of here's the dates and locations with nothing. It's like, wait and see who the special guests are. And then they pick the 10 guys or whatever to be like, these are going to be our bachelors. Well, you should also have three or four of the biggest players from every city show up and be sitting at little booths when you walk in that you can take pictures with. They don't do any of that shit. There's a single tarp with roses on it that you can take a selfie in front of. That's it. They just don't know what they have, and they certainly don't know how to market what they have, unfortunately. But I was just curious what your your take on it might have been. But you know, you know it's very similar, and I, but I just wonder like where I don't want to be a hater, but I kind of just wonder like who who would go to this? And and some people, and a lot of comments from people are like, it's, it was bad, but I, that's what I expected, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's almost feels to me like maybe, maybe it's kind of like a film versus an, versus like a, you know, a CGI movie where like, you know, you don't expect there to be a much of a plot line in, in some of these like action movies. It's just, you go for a certain experience and versus mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, where's the production value? Where's the, you know, all the things that can go into oh, it. Yeah. We, we, I, I remember I was telling someone this, I did, I did stand up at this theater in San Jose, which I believe is also where they performed. I could be wrong. But I remember being at this theater and I'm in the wings ready to go on stage. I'm opening for another comic and someone's like, you know, this is where Harry Houdini used to perform the so-and-so trick. And it was like this historic moment and everything. And now it's like, <laughs> you see, you see like these bachelor, you know, scenes play out in these historic theaters. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is this the idiocracy of our generation that this can sell out more than like, like take, for example, Rachel, um, who's created the bachelor musical. That's like a talent that's with Rochelle Meese. Oh, sorry, Rochelle. That's right. Um, th th that's like, all right, I'm all for that. And I'm sure Becca worked hard on, on, on it and everything, 
But um, it just feels like another example of like the show having something so popular that it's going to just print money from it. Yeah, but they don't even know how to do that. Yeah, that spoon, that that giving us anything and that will eat up. I, I immediately go back to the Bachelor Greatest of All Time series where oh, they showed us God. like cut down versions of every season and it was horrible. And they should have just rerun a season. Yeah, you're like, what New but- York and NYU University intern is working on this? Like, that's just the show. It's in some ways, it's such yeah. a beast because it's a huge show. But the production value and the quality and, you know, the unpaid contestants. And I've had friends, you know, that were producers on the show that like, you know, make, you know, the pay is probably OK. It's, it's it seems to be part union, part non. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's it, it, it could be a beast. They could have a robust YouTube channel with all of their outtakes and behind the scenes commentary. It would cost them such little money. To, to, to run all uh-huh. that. They don't understand that though. And I think it's it's actually the opposite of what you're saying. I don't think it's an NYU intern. I think it's like an 80-year-old person who has been at ABC since the dawn of time. And they're like, this is how <laughs> we're gonna market the show. Put out another poster and make it look like they're in The Graduate. That was a great movie when I was 20. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, I think the people who are in charge definitely of marketing The Bachelor and Bachelor Live and all of this stuff are just ancient. And unfortunately, that's what most network television is at this point. I mean, network TV is dying. Everything is going to streaming. You just saw ABC move Dancing with the Stars to fucking streaming. It's like, I think the writing's on the wall. Bachelor's coming quick. I, th- I think it's going to move to streaming within the next five years, probably. I think it has to. There's no, there's a reason why I made Dave Neal show. I was not going to put all my eggs in the Bachelor basket. As much as I love it, this show... Any, any, like there could be any number of things that happen, whether it be if Chris Harrison ever did re- release the me- text messages or whatever he had, you know, because people were doing <laughs> drugs abroad. Any of those things could happen, and ABC would have been like, nuke it, shelf it, done. Who cares how much money it makes? Like, we're in a tough time. I don't think that'll happen. Right now, it's just like, it's, it's the, you know, it's the bread and butter. It's easy, it's cheap to make, and it, and it gets more yeah. attention than a lot of other programs. But like you guys and myself, like, like I've worked independently producing, you know, writing things and, you know, working and acting and all these things. You guys have been writers and have all these great credentials. I mean, we could like charge for the advice that we would have as like objectively like fans of the show, but also understanding how many glaring things they're missing. But again, it's like to, to maybe to the untrained eye, we sound bitter, but it's just like, we're watching the show going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that people buy this stuff. Like there's several years past the point of believability when it comes to how villains are portrayed. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still a giant chunk of an audience that believes everything a villain says or believes, you know, edits that are portrayed. Mm -hmm. What makes your channel, uh, what you guys so popular is like you break it down in a way that's maybe less personal because you break it down as a game versus like these are the horrible people or you're like, you're kind of like, giving credit to the moves that are being made on the show. Yeah. I don't think we have any, or at least I don't have any stance on like morally what anyone's doing in the show. To me, it's all plays in the game and you're trying to build your Instagram following or whatever your social media platform of choices and get out in the real world and start making some money. Um, which we're going to get to in a minute with Madison Pruitt. But before we get there, I wanted to ask you this question. Was there ever a moment you said you were, you know, in Kentucky uploading your first video out in the middle of a snowstorm or whatever with a shitty mic? 
Was there ever a moment where you started to gain some momentum and you had to make a choice or that you felt like, wait a minute, I'm buying a green screen and a ring light and setting up these cameras to make bachelor fucking videos. Like, what am I doing with my life? Did you ever have that moment where you had to make the choice? Like, fuck it, I'm doing this. By the time the the pandemic, by the time everything started to turn for me, I can't, I can't say this enough. Everything that has happened with me and my channel is, is life-changing. My family gets to go to that next step of having more financial security where we think about babies. Like all these things have been amazing because I've been able to get my channel going. Uh, Bachelor is a huge part of that. So, so um, this last year and a half, it's like the running back seeing the hole open up and, and just run straight in for the touchdown. Like I've seen all of the statistics like line up in the way I've wanted them to for years. So everything has been just like gravy now, but several years, several years ago, different story. Yeah. I mean, I'm working Uber, I'm Lyft, uh, doing all these other jobs, doing stand up in between that and working nonstop hours and Monday nights, I'm up till one, 2 AM editing these videos. And it was, uh, and you know, living in a studio apartment where my fiance has to like hear, like I got her like headphones to wear so she could watch TV. (laughs) The headphones like connected to the controller. So she could like watch TV while I'm feet away from her, like railing about, you know, whatever. And I understood (laughs) how, I understood how much of a loser I look like, but I was also finding a way to build a platform. So I never really felt like like any shame about what I'm doing. I've been of I've been a big proponent of like building your own equity. Don't rent out your time. It's late stage capitalism. You know, the only way to be secure in this world is to have multiple streams of income where people where like you're direct to your audience. I don't think there's a price that Bachelor could hire me. I truly don't. Um they'd have to throw like like wild money at me to to quit what I'm doing. Not that they would. There's there's no there's no adjusting. Like a, where I'm at is where I'm happy to be. Okay, this is interesting. If I may, let's say the producers <laughs> come to you and they want you to be the host of a new official Bachelor Nation podcast. They're going to pay you, let's say, two hundred and fifty grand a year, and it's going to be like a Bachelor Nation talk show where you're interviewing the players as they come off, but all you can do is sling the sauce. Uh, to us, sauce is uh, telling the lies. So all the interviews are going to be very surface level. Well, what did you think when you met him? And oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Exactly what they do on like happy hour and clickbait. Would you do that? You can never dig deeper than that again. You'd have to triple the money. 750? Ooh. You do it? And even then... It would still be like, at what point is the the more what what like my break even my nut is so low that anything above that I can't tell my like what I love more than anything is being authentic and saying what I feel yeah. about things mm-hmm. and when you lose that it's like the money's just not that important. With that said, my, YouTube pays very well. I've I've kind of stumbled upon something that I'm very happy with. I think it performs better than any contract bachelor podcasts have right now. So, so no, I wouldn't, it would have to be, and then again, and then again, you know, cause there was a whole thing. Um, I, I won't get into details on this specific thing, but there was some sort of conspiring that happened to remove reality. Steve, I've mentioned it to him and to others, uh, people that didn't like him, wanted him out and they wanted to like push me forward. And as like the, hmm. as like the guy that everyone got their spoilers from. And I was like, that's not what I do. I don't like that. I don't need to be that guy. I can just react to someone else being that guy. Wait, what do you what do you mean? 
who who is doing I, i'm not gonna say who but also let, well let me ask you this i won't ask you who it is but what do you mean to push you forward in that spot like how how is that even possible it's not like there was the moment in time when reality steve maybe maybe a year and plus ago where like there was a real hardcore push to have him canceled there was the mm -hmm. chatty broads reading his unearth their tweets and there was other people and and there was a lot of people behind the scenes, former alumni and others involved in Bachelor Nation that didn't, that kind of wanted to sink his ship. But what you realize is like, mm. he built his following earnestly. You cannot like what he's said or done, but he's built his following and you can't just cancel somebody that way. I, I talked to him after that. And I was like, do you think you would have been canceled if you worked for like E! News or something? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They would have just fired exactly. me. They would have fired me. But it's just yeah. a good testament that, and, and credit to him, he has, up, made his apologies and he has pledged to do better and he has and he's had information he could have shared with people and he said you know what you guys didn't want me to share this i'm not going to share it it's past the scope of what i do so so yeah there was there was these times mm. when, when my channel was starting to pop off where i was getting dms and messages and people were saying hey we want we want to make you this guy and i'm going what the hell kind of community is there behind the scenes and yeah, there's a community of people that mm. think a certain way about certain alumni and there's 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 smaller circles and bigger ones and it all comes down to who has the biggest influence that's why i was so impressed when cassidy um was talking trash to to madison pruitt because cassidy's got like twelve thousand instagram followers to madison pruitt's 1.7 million i'm like let's see david versus goliath let's get Let's get to the place where people aren't afraid to talk shit because they're worried about getting on Bachelor in Paradise. Like, this is the chaos we all wanted. Yeah, well, this season of Paradise is going to be the best one of all time if I have anything to do with it. And I might. <laughs> but uh, No, it can be an intense intense community. We've definitely seen, uh, seen aspects of that. Yeah, and um, I've had, you know, I've woken up early on when my channel... So what happened was my channel took off and immediate, like whether you have 5,000 subs or a million, it's all about watch time. And my watch time went from not much to an incredible amount. And that meant that YouTube was recommending my videos to anybody they could associate with Bachelor. And a lot of people were like, who mm -hmm. the hell is this guy? Even though I'd spent the last 10 years trying to get people, you know, getting kicked out of, I think mm -hmm. I got kicked out of the Facebook, the Chatty Broads Facebook group. <laughs> oh no. Wait, why? I don't even know. Just one day I went to go in there and it didn't exist. And I was like, what am I banned? I don't know. Probably, probably when I was making Chatty Broads content, I probably shared it. But then you have the Chatty Broads shouting me out on their page. So like, clearly there's a connection. Like, I like what they do. Even when they get it wrong, they try to apologize. They're held to an ungodly high standard. I like what they, I'm glad that they, Demi and certain people will speak their mind, even if they're getting it wrong. I think that's what we need. People say, oh, you know, you know, they want everyone to get it right the first time. Ah, let, let, let them get it wrong. Let, them, mm -hmm. let their Johnny Depp take be wrong. Let them apologize. Let them get it right. Like that's, isn't that what we're all doing here? So absolutely. Yeah. I, I, so anyway, I might've, so anyway, a lot of people were like, who is this huh. guy? And then I woke up one day to Reddit, you know, you normally check Reddit and it was like, the, I don't remember the title, but it was like, Dave Neal, is he the, is he the conservative voice of Bachelor Nation? And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm pretty down the line progressive with all of my policies. But at the time it was when Rachel Kirkconnell's issue was happening and there was a blatant clickbait lie about Rachel's mom circulating everywhere where Rachel's mom had set up this anti Matt James Facebook community. Rachel's mom messages me and tells me the truth. I work two jobs 
in the off time, the moderators made me a moderator so we could help get rid of the trolls and all this stuff. And I just, my heart, my heart sank for Rachel Kirkconnell's mom. You just see this mom who's, you know, I, you know, I'm the product of a single mom, not, not, you know, Rachel's parents are married, I believe, but you just see this mom who works all day, then comes home. And, and then what does she have to do? Get on a Facebook group and kick out trolls. And then the sun and all these other, you know, organizations pick up these stories about how Rachel's mom and their voting history and how, and, and that they're, they're moderating an anti-Matt James Facebook group. And you're like, good God. So in just trying to tell the truth of that story, I got lumped in. And this is what people do is they'll try to, if you're not exactly on whatever, whatever ideology they're on, then you're a Nazi to them. Then you're something else yeah. completely. That's only some people though. I have to say, I mean, we get our share of like negative comments and negative DMs and shit. If we say one thing this way or that way or mispronounce this or whatever, but by and large, I don't feel like that is most people that are listening to our show. I think that's a few very vocal people. And yes, those comments can cut through and fucking get straight to your goddamn heart. And you're like, oh, fuck, what have I done? I've, I've ruined this. I can't believe this. But the truth of it is, especially Bachelor Nation, uh, A, that's only a very small percentage of the, the people that are listening to or watching your content. And B, 24 hours later, there will be something else. This will be forgotten about instantaneously, almost, you know. I didn't have the spark notes. I was a former contestant type of rundown of it this all happened at once so when i say like when all that was written about me and people were like wondering who i was they were putting my, what i believe my character on trial now i get the benefit of the doubt pretty much whatever topic i have because i've built up a little bit of an equity and some goodwill but at the time people had only seen or some people had only seen my take that was like not saying Rachel Kirk Connell's the worst person in the world. And I believe everyone's opinion has bent in that direction now, but like in putting out these, these, um, these uh, wildfires at the time, people didn't know who I was. So it mm. hurt a lot more. Now it doesn't bother me. Now I've had people really rail on me for things. And then a day later, they've got 150 down votes because people are like, you got them wrong. You're mischaracterizing the conversation yeah. when, um, when there was um, a roast battle, I think not. No, I'm trying to think who who it was. The Olymp the former Olympian shared her roast um, jokes that she had from this past season. Oh, Marlena! And they did not play. And as a comic, you know, yeah. sometimes a roast joke can be a killer joke, and then you and then it doesn't play when you're not in the room. So she was all excited to share it. She had Russell Peters, who probably told her these jokes were funny. He's obviously a very well known comedian, and she shares them. And immediately, and my comment to that was like, "Hey guys, listen." Comedy can be dangerous. And then I went into all these examples of how like, you know, you don't know what something's not going to work until you try it and this and that. And then people were like, oh, Dave Neal says comedy's dangerous. Huh. And it's like, now we see Chappelle getting tackled on stage, Chris Rock getting slapped. I mean, words can be dangerous. And sure. the show was putting these roast jokes in the hands of people that are not comedians expecting them. It's like, we can all have the ingredients to how to make a good food. But if you're not a chef, you might burn the steak and she and it's like comedy is one of those things that people think it's so easy that they try it and like she probably would want to get into maybe she wanted to get into stand-up so she was all excited to tell mm -hmm. everyone her jokes and immediately everyone's like what are you doing this is this the, you know right there's all these different <laughs> yeah. things You're like it's i bet you they got laughs in person because i i get to see things that get laughs when the lights are down and mm -hmm. the nuance between a good comic telling a good joke versus someone getting burned because they don't know how to play with that very sensitive medium. Absolutely. Uh... 
Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to Gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. 
now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Speaking of takes on things that may or may not be right, let's discuss, if we may, the recent developments with one Madison Pruitt. So she, of course, this week wound up at the Kentucky Derby with her new boyfriend. What is his name? Something Trout, right? Is it Grant? Grant Trout? That does not sound real. (laughs) Well, he's the son of a uh, two billionaires, the dad of which, or sorry, I think it's the... It's his dad founded XL Communications, a uh, telecommunications company in Dallas that he sold for $3.5 billion back in the late 90s. So Madison Pruitt is now dating the heir to that fortune. I'm sure they live in Highland Park in Dallas, which is, I'm from Dallas originally, suburbs thereof. So I know that area pretty well. It's like where super mega rich people live. And she is now plugged directly into that. I made a meme of it this this week that showed I found a picture of that guy, her new boyfriend's dad and mom s- standing side by side at the Kentucky Derby. And they look exactly like him and Madison Pruitt. I did the You've same. Seen that I, I made the mom daughter comparison today. So I must have I saw that because <laughs> I was trying to Google whether or not they had a horse in the race because yeah. um, he owns Winston Farms or whatever it's called. Yeah. So funny. Great minds think alike. Indeed. But so. <laughs> In terms of how we analyze this game, part of it is the post game. What happens to you after you come out of the show? Yeah, that is part of the game. (laughs) Lizzie and I have this ongoing argument about what is the actual game. I believe the actual game is what happens in the document. We're talking about Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Winter Games, if you go on that, listen to your heart if you're on that, whatever. The, The standard document is, to me, the game. And then post game is anything you're doing online, whatever. But Madison Pruitt now, in my mind, has leapfrogged everyone else way bigger than uh via way bigger than bristow in a post game if she marries into a billion dollar family and it looks like that's where this is headed because i i looked at a lot of that guy's social media too he's doing baptisms and swimming pools and shit like he's towing the christian line I, i'm sure that whole family is that that family also is a major republican donor just fyi uh, given over a million dollars to certain super PACs and stuff in the 2016 election. So that is what Madison Pruitt is lining up. She's also doing all of this. Uh, she's basically a pastor at this point. Minister guesting. Work, yeah, yeah, she's doing ministry work at different churches and stuff. She's blowing up her Christian TikTok. Is she going to emerge through Christianity, through Republicanism, through marrying into a billion-dollar family? Is she going to emerge as the most successful post-game player in the history of our beloved sport? I guess it's a great question, and I guess it depends on how you look at it. Now, I've gotten accused of hating Madison Pruitt, and I really don't have... (laughs) I mean, I don't... There's just just certain people that are easy targets because you can just... You can just pick apart the hypocrisies there. And yeah. I get, and I, you know, I, it's a kind of a funny, it's a funny, it's on, on my bingo chart is when I mentioned that I was raised Catholic. Everyone goes, all right, Dave mentioned that, but I was raised Catholic. And I saw sort of like, you, you see the industrial complex that surrounds Christianity and religion. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. the speaking engagements that can be had for some hotshot counselor. I mean, we saw that you've seen every documentary there is about the Hillsong pastor. And you just kind of can mm-hmm. feel when you, you can feel when you're being sold on something, you know, that there's tax exemption. I mean, even the Kardashians have a church now. It's like, at what point 
are we are we uh, believers in Jesus versus believers in profit and abundance? And then they do the white yeah. savior complex where they go hold a, a black baby and they take a photo and then, they, you know, maybe they play soccer. With Pruitt and her boyfriend have both done that. She's got a lot of those. <laughs> and she didn't post the photo on her end. She knew better. Then he deletes the photo. He goes private over the weekend, probably to make sure he doesn't have any other photos, yeah. you know, playing soccer in Dominican Republic, whatever. And, and, um, you know, look like I just call bullshit when I see it. You just see someone who's making a killing off of their, off of their church. And yeah. it's like, so she gets off. For, so she does a Shein ad. Shein uh, spelled S H E I N is a, is on, it's pretty much fast fashion, which is um, slave labor at best. I mean, it's, it's made by children. It's made by children Shein. in Bangladesh and China and and, and can, they can uh, hire kids that are under 14 and it's bad for the environment and all these other things. You have someone like Katie Thurston who got a lot of shit from people saying, you know what? I turned down the six figure deal. She didn't say Shein, but that's who she meant. Katie Thurston turned down a six figure contract to promote Shein, whereas Becca Kufrin promoted it. I'm sure Becca didn't know. Oh, I think Becca might have known. I look, I don't, this is all conjecture. I'll say that right up front. I have no evidence to base this on other than looking at her in person at Bachelor Live on stage and seeing nothing <laughs> behind the eyes. Wherever Becca Kufrin was, whoever she was, that is gone now. And she is a robot. <laughs> who will sell anything to anyone if the price is right. Oh that is what God. I saw on that stage. Again, this is just conjecture. I have no real evidence behind this. So but. I can't expect Becca's going to come to my stand-up show on Thursday. I feel like that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh yeah, God. I mean, what, what, okay, so to focus in on Maddie here, um, but I brought up other people as example of some take the bait and some don't. Maddie preaches a lot of things and you want to see people back that up in their church. When you get someone like Bernie Sanders who preaches that he wants, yeah, tax me at a higher tax bracket, do these things. We, you know, all these different um, issues that we want to make our country better. You wonder like what's, what's actually, what, what's she doing with her family? Now I'll give Grant Trout credit. His dad was raised by, I believe a, a, a lower income mom. So he mm. did find all of his wealth, but I made a, this, my video saying, look, I just, Dolly Parton could be a billionaire. She's given away hundreds of millions of dollars. She's worth hundreds of million, but she's not a billionaire. She could be to become a billionaire. Even if you're doing charitable things, it's like we need to rethink the sort of wealth taxes that used to exist in our country where people used to get taxed at 50% when they're worth over X amount of billions. It's just like absurd. No one's worth that. And nobody makes that much money because of their own merit Agreed. and their own good. No, you build that wealth off of exploitation. Yeah, and, if, and, it's, and no matter how much they donate, it's not going to equal whatever their church is saving and not having to pay taxes. So you just like, it. it's a perfect... Um, next chapter in Maddie's life, marrying a billionaire, you know? Oh, I can't wait for I it. I love it for her. I'm like, Me too. her, like, she it's was perfect. able to develop, like, one of the largest followings coming off of Bachelor, and I think it was because she had that strong Christian branding, and it's like, mm. okay, this is the one we can get behind. And I do think it makes sense for Bachelor that the most famous person coming from it would be an evangelical Christian. Other countries, when we have people that watch in all these other countries, 
they'll be like, oh my gosh, is it really like that in the US? Because we've talked about purity culture. I talked about it with Colton before he came out of the closet of how purity culture and his desire to remain a virgin. Now we didn't know he was gay and all the other aspects to it, but you talk about all the aspects of purity culture that factor into real atrocious sort of burdens that are put onto young women more so than men. And they Mm -hmm. take these photos with their dad and they wear their purity rings. And with Maddie's scenario, she's like, I love my dad. And the dad's like, she's gonna, you know, they, they talked in ways that was kind of like seeing, seeing her value in her virginity. I'm, I'm, I'm all like pro do whatever makes you feel good. If you want to wait till marriage, absolutely. And if you don't, absolutely. And I gravitate towards people just feeling what's right and not, not needing to be a certain way to please your dad. And that purity culture is a big deal. I probably lost more followers over that than anybody, but people, but you know, I say you crack an egg to make an omelet for every person I lose. You gain 10 people being like, I grew up in the church. I understand. And I didn't grow up with purity culture. Catholic, my Catholic upbringing is so blase. Like what it just, just same. I was also raised Catholic, strangely enough. You know, you just say sorry at the end of the night for your didn't sins. Take. Yeah, didn't yeah, take. didn't take, no. But you know what is interesting about Madison Pruitt also? Yes, she's got the purity culture and the Christianity. She also was raised by a dad who was a cutthroat competitor, and he instilled in her this need to win everything always. I mean, you remember the picture, I'm sure, that they played in the document of her and her dad holding up hands full of championship basketball rings. That doesn't stop at the fucking basketball court. Yeah, it was her inner intro intro video. She now is on a mission to dominate life in the same way. And we saw what she did to Popeye Peter Weber in that season. She twisted him up in fucking knots. You think this Grant Trout stands a fucking chance? Madison Pruitt (laughs) is going to be running that family within 10 years, the mom and dad are going to have to fucking step aside. She's going to walk through those doors of that mansion. And in 10 years, she will own it all. And she's going to leverage that, I think, into a giant Christian media company. I that's I mean, look, yeah, that that makes sense. And I'm 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 all for people finding their love and spirituality, however they want to find it. But whenever you take this much money, like whenever you take the big big business side of things, you got to look at it with a critical eye. Scientology it has more real estate than they're a huge real estate company. They have these multi-million dollar mansions. I'm not saying, you know, evangelicals are like Scientologists. It's just another example of like, you're either you're either in with us, you're you're what you got the the bleached white teeth and the perfect eyes, and you're part of this ministry. <laughs> You know, I didn't even I didn't even mention spray tans because I wasn't trying to insult here. <laughs> perfect eyes. What's a perfect eye? I don't know. They're just yeah. there's there's like less blinking that happens perfect with some of these. Eyes. Listen, okay. Less listen, blinking. As as a comic, <laughs> twinkles. I spend every night out there, and you can just tell when something's hack versus when something's original. Whether it comes to yeah. jokes or auras, we're just built to read people. So when you hear someone like like telling you about life and and ministering, and yet they're still not really evolved. You just don't buy it. And you can kind of hear the same verses being spout, the same Bible lectures. It's like, what's, what's the original thought here? Like, I'd rather listen to like old man, Wayne Dyer, tell me about life, a guy who's lived life and and has all this spirituality than somebody who's done a good job memorizing their like faith-based believing. And it sounds like I'm just ripping on religion, but I'm ripping on the people that are profiting off of religion. And then the rest of people, uh, the middle class and, and people, are just like they're the ones kind of being duped they're the ones affording these lavish lifestyles like you know they get to go jet set dude there was a 
There was a guy in Dallas named Robert Tilton, a televangelist, who got into a big scandal when I was in, I think, junior high, roughly. They found in the dumpsters out behind his church all these uh, like prayer requests that people had sent in that were just clearly like letter opened, check removed, dumped in the trash. So they weren't even fucking read. He just straight took the money. And I'll never forget, uh, there's a guy named Benny Hinn who actually does a lot of stuff out here in Southern California. Um, he used to have a huge show that was on Trinity Broadcasting Network for a long time. And for about a month of that show, this would have been in the early 2000s, he would literally put a picture up on the screen of a fucking jet, a private jet. And he would say, now, everybody out there listening, God wants me to have this jet so that I can fly around and deliver my sermons to more people. And if you can get me this jet, as God wants me to have, if you donate over a certain amount of money, I'll put your name on a little plaque in the prayer room at the back of the jet so that I'll know that you're there. You'll, it's like you're there with me. <laughs> and he got the fucking jet. He got the fucking jet within oh a month God. of people just giving him money. You want to just let people do what they want with their money. But I think of, and you know, not, not to make this political, but they, the evangelical, it all kind of crosses together. The same, those, the, those are the same types of people that are donating to Donald Trump's Stop the Steal campaign, where he's just using that money to pay his past legal expenses. So you see people that are just donating yeah. money that's like their retirement. They think they're doing some crazy good thing. And it's like, you're being robbed blind. This has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus's um, mission of loving your neighbor. It's all about, it's all about like um, being in. So, so what happens is people that are in, in that evangelical sort of um, brain fog, they think they're on the right side of things. They think they're better than someone else. There's this moral superiority. And you kind of saw that with Madison being a virgin still. I know she probably said like, Hey, you do you, I'll do me. But like, there's just this air that you get from all these other commoners, like they're not good enough. There's an implication when she says, you know, especially because she told this to Pilot Pete, she's like, I just have these standards that I have to maintain. And you do whatever you want to do, but I have these standards. The implication in saying something like that is that you don't have these standards. I am upholding them. You're not. And that is, in my mind, at least, it's like an implied feeling that they are better than you in some way. Um, all that said, though, I think Madison Prude actually is better than many people in many ways, especially in how she plays the game. She was one of the first two professional players, in our opinion. And now, I mean, I really think she's probably using a lot of techniques that she used. She's the biggest on TikTok. Biggest on TikTok. Yep. She has two million uh, TikTok followers. I've always said this about about good good Christian, like they've got money for good audio and video. Uh Clayton did a, a Christian ministers podcast and it was like sharp video, good audio. And I noticed that first, I'm like, God yeah. loves a good audio. Like he's not messing around. Uh, <laughs> Other than Madison Pruitt, who do you think are some of the most successful or impressive players that have come through our beloved game? Or do you have any hero players of your own? Such a good question. Cause I, we, what I love about the show is that we, we watch it through a different lens like i'm always looking for who's the most authentic so when i see someone like taisha i struggle because i want her to be more real but i understand she's a probably afraid of having to deal with not having the same opinions of everyone else we've seen people like rachel Lindsay, who's one of my favorite criticize taisha mm -hmm. being like i you know and these are my words right but but rachel Lindsay's like I created this path i took shit from everybody so that you don't even address these things like that's kind of what where Rachel Lindsay was saying. How like you get to see how um, some people are 
like a Rachel Lindsay, who's lawyer focused and has that ability to want to call the bullshit out, articulate her beliefs. And then someone like Tasha, who's like, well, I'm not going to comment on anything because I might offend somebody. So, you know, they're playing the game differently, but I always respect the person who, who uh, draws boundaries over what their, their like morals are and stays true to that. And that's what I think makes, I think that's what makes Rachel Lindsay such a good interviewer because she'll just like, she might not, you know, people, people really, really either like her or don't like her. And so the more divisive someone mm-hmm. is, I think the more someone, the more genuine someone is. So I think she's probably someone who I look at the mo- and I don't agree with her on everything that she talks about, you know, like on, on all of her takes, but like I all, I kind of embrace liking someone that I might not agree with. Yeah, for sure. I think she's given like a lot to the history of the game as well. Like her ultimatum saying she wouldn't watch if the next bachelor wasn't black. And then the next bachelor is Matt James, um, as well as been successful at pivoting out of the bachelor space and interviewing people about all sorts. Yeah. She's above it for sure. And and just as a, for a male character, Blake Horstman, I've always looked at as someone who got Mm. such a bad rap and I was like, I mean, even my fiance was mad at me when, when this, when, when I was taking Blake's side over him versus uh, Kayla, Kaylin, uh, you know, cause, cause uh, everyone was, I mean, we're like, we're like in the middle of the Me Too movement and he's kind of being soft Me Too'd on TV. You know, he was being accused of all these wild things. Then he yeah. drops these text messages that prove that she was trying to seduce him and tell him she wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I'm like, good God, this is wild. He had no choice. In, backed in the corner to drop these text messages. And then everyone hated him for dropping the text message. And he's like, what the hell did you guys want? Well, several years later, he's probably one of the most well-liked people that has come from the show. He's got yeah. his own industry in DJing, which is perfect because, you know, any DJs are so repli- you know, re- replicatable where it's like, it, you're kind of not, you know, it's hard to build your own niche there, but just like Paulie D from Jersey shore became like an opening DJ for Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, uh, Blake Horseman's been able to bring in an audience and do something outside of the bachelor world, but still mean close to it. And I, and I think he, I think for a show that probably damaged him up so much, he's come out of it about as good as he could. Yeah. I completely agree. I think everything he's done has been absolutely incredible. Uh, he just fucking headline or not headline, but he DJed at stagecoach. Literally, as yeah. a performer. I mean, I in my opinion, to have Blake Horseman DJing Stagecoach, like that's about as good as it gets after Stagecoach was what threatened ultimately to destroy him in his season of Paradise. Speaking of being destroyed in seasons, what do you think is going to happen in this next season of Bachelorette? Um, my fear is that there's going to be so many different storylines that we're going to not have like that one take root, but that's what kind of happens every year where like, there's like early season villains like Cassidy and then late season villains like Shanae. And there's always kind of that thing. So as far as how multiple bachelorettes are going to go, I hope now, now everyone says, Oh, we don't want them to mess it up and have them compete over the same guy. And it's like, well, that would be kind of great content. Yeah. How are they, they going to stop that from happening? There's just something, and I don't know, maybe you guys, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, you'd have to pull women here, but I feel like if a, if a, if a lady walks into a bar, every guy kind of knows if that's like some sort of like high valuable person that they want to get to know. And, and everyone becomes in this animalistic mode. And that's what makes the show great when you have people competing for the same person. So on Bachelorette, you're going to have 
kind of the roles reversed where these men will be competing for the two bachelorettes attention, but there's going to be one or two guys that are like just catches. They're going to be great charismatic mm-hmm. guys. And, and even if, even if Rachel and Gabby have a different type, there's, there's a, there's a type that's just like sexy, charming. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to apply. It's going to fill both of their boxes. And so my guess is there'll have to be conversations for sure that happen about like, who's into who and it, it's going to take some yeah. power out of the the women's hands i guess well i think you're also going to get into situations where one of the two women might become generally more desirable than the other more guys will want to go toward one than the other i mean that just mathematically is going to be true it could be one more guy it could be all of the guys but whatever the case is you're going to get into a scenario if they're allowed to at least in the beginning date from the the same pool you're going to get into a scenario where you know let's say there's a guy that really likes uh rachel recchia and gabby wendy is like i'm going to give you my rose that guy might refuse that rose because he's like well i like her i don't know how they're gonna you know reconcile that each of these guys is going to at some point whether it's night one or somewhere down the road they're going to have to make a choice about which one of these two bachelorettes they're going to try to play for. And if that bachelorette Mm -hmm. is not into them, they're kind of fucked or vice versa. If the bachelorette is into them, but they're into the other bachelorette, then that guy is kind of fucked too. He gets put in a weird position. I don't know what the game mechanics of this are going to be. I cannot wait to break it down and see how they play all this shit. But I think we're going to be in for a rough ride. I think Gabby and Rachel are definitely going to be pitted against each other multiple times, probably every episode. I can't imagine there's not going to be like a uh, football date where they literally have to pick teams and they're like the team captains or the coaches or whatever and the guys have to fucking fight each other <laughs> i like i just can't imagine what we're about to see and you, and I'm and you guys know as as like working in film that you, you're gonna have some cameras on some long lenses that's why they need like these fo- football dates when they have an open field they can really capture different things going on so i just can already imagine the scene where rachel's into a guy but then the guy you know like in that football game they're gonna play gets tackled by gabby and you're like oh and then rachel notices that gabby just tackled the guy and then you just have these moments where like oh there is such an added element to all of these possibilities now i i know i'll get in trouble because i've already had when i was comparing whenever you you you, you know you shouldn't compare people like who's better, who's a better bachelorette and all that stuff. That That's a bad thing. But we have our preferences. When it came to the co-hosts of last year's bachelorette, Taisha and Caitlin, I much preferred Caitlin. I much preferred C- Caitlin's comedy. I thought she was a better riffer and just, and, and all that. And people got really upset at me for like picking sides or whatever. When it comes to Gabby and Rachel, I saw Rachel as really, really angry at Clayton. Rightfully so in the after the final rose and all that. Whereas I saw Gabby being way more graceful. I'm almost rooting Gabby on more because of that. She seems to me more evolved and she's a little bit older. So, I mean, everyone's going to have their preferences. I want Rachel to find her love too, but um, it's it's so it's so funny when, when Rachel goes, these tears aren't for you, Clayton. It's like, Actually, that's exactly who they're for. You're you're feeling a certain way because you got stiffed. You got you know you got thrown out after you thought you were in love with them. Like feel the scorn and all that, but like yeah. don't don't pretend like that's not there. I thought those tears were for us, the fourth audience at home waiting to drink <laughs> in the suffering. But I also think to your point, I think Gabby is going to come out of this 
in quotes, the the better Bachelorette, just because she's like hilarious. Gabby is like made for TV. Rekia is a very yeah. good player, but she's not. She doesn't have that thing where it's just like popping off the screen. She can't do jokes like Gabby Wendy can. Her really her her best game component, her best uh, strategy was her chemistry game because she just had Clayton, the Ultimate Viking, like wrapped around her finger after the first time they made out. And that's going to be another thing in this season. Like night one, let's say, is there going to be a player, a guy who makes out with both of them? Is that going to happen? My guess is at least three, at least three (laughs) men. Night one. We'll make out with both of them. They're going to have to be so busy that they're not going to be able to exchange notes yet. So this is the, this is the, this is (laughs) night one's the most dangerous moment. They don't know if Taylor's the F boy. I'm just making names up. They don't have these red flags set up. They're just like, all right, give me your best game. And what the guys are probably not going to hold back because they're going to kind of see what sticks. And I I think it's kind of good for the guys. Kiss both of them. This might be your future. I agree. Yeah. I bet that they'll cut it out of the ones that they're protecting oh, totally. who end up going farther. I bet yeah. a lot more of them will kiss both than we'll see. But don't you think that'll be good good TV though? If like, you know, if they cut back to the early nights when they were kissing both and I mean I think they'll villainize a guy for yeah, sure for doing that. I do too. Even after they tell him to do it. I also think there will probably be no turtling. That's a term that we use for people who don't get to talk to the lead on night one. I don't think that can even happen now because it's split down the middle. You've got two leads you can go talk to at any given time. But I also think this season is going to be, in terms of what we're allowed to see in the document, in the cut, I think it's going to be the most manipulated season that we have yet seen for that exact reason that you're talking about, Lizzie. They're going to have to protect some players and protect the leads and do this and do that. And they're going to be wielding these fucking surgical uh, edits to build out whatever narratives they need to build for this season. Anybody who's ever edited any project can see the edit like glaringly when it's an over the shoulder shot. You just, you just can tell when something's BS and they're going to have the same amount of episodes. As far as I know, probably going to have an extra five cameramen. So they're going to have the same amount of episodes with extra scenes, extra locations, extra cameras all going at the same time. So they'll be able to really manipulate uh, whatever storyline they want. Um, but yeah, like you said before, Gabby, she's just comedically, she's just gold. She's beautiful. She's yeah. sincere, but she's really funny. And to me, like humor is not always that important. Uh, if if you value it or not, it's everyone's different. But when you get a, when you get the chance to see like, you know, as a contestant on Clayton season, she only got so much airtime. I think we're, there's so much we're, we're going to see of her that has yet to be sort of unearthed. That's going to make us appreciate her even more. And I wish the same for yeah. Rachel, but I, I don't like you said, Rachel, mm-hmm. she'll she'll she's not there. to She's not the one liner type. She's not the meme type. Uh, Gabby, whether she wants to or not, just puts on some great faces. It's just who she is. You see Gabby's grandfather, who's just gold that that that's what they are. You know, you don't you can't take that away from them. Yeah, I would say Gabby, I feel like had a much more like she was going for next Bachelorette. I feel like Rachel was going for the ring. And so I'm kind of surprised that they picked Rachel as well. Um, But, you know, they've already got all these pilot group dates they've done a million times. Now they can do it for the reverse gender. So they probably were like, oh, well, we can. uh, We've got all our pilot jokes lined up. So we just have a couple more questions for you. One that I'm very curious about because I know this happened to me. Um, Keeping tabs on this world, knowing all the news that's going on in The Bachelor, watching the show, obviously, 
looking at all their social media constantly, it for me became very addictive. And now it's like obviously something that I do every day. Has it become addictive for you? And is it so addictive that you will keep doing this forever, assuming the show is is still going forever, which it will. It's a good question. So in the last two weeks, my channel has taken a nosedive in the stats, but that also is when the Johnny Depp trial took off. And this mm. week, now that the Johnny Depp trial has taken a week off, I'm seeing a rebound in my channel. So I'm what I what I was what once the, my channel started taking a nosedive, I was like, look, I got to I got to pay for my wedding. I got shit to do. I need to make some money. So <laughs> I was like, all right, now's my chance to really like last year was my chance to go hard on bachelor. Now's my chance to flip it and go hard on the Johnny Depp trial. And I was able to kind of seamlessly shift what I wanted to talk about. And the Johnny Depp audience, because one video popped off, it's got like 700 plus thousand views. A video, this one video has made like 4,500 bucks already. It just took wow. off. None of my other, that's all the subscribers all came from this one video, which I shot like makeshift while vacationing in Hawaii last week. I was sunburned, the bad audio. It was everything you wouldn't want someone to see for the first time seeing your content, but that's what it was. But I was like, all right, I, I, if, if, if Bachelor is going to be on hiatus, I need to try my best to not make content when there's nothing and do something mm -hmm. new. And again, I, you know, when there, when there's a lot of content, I'm making five to seven videos a day. It's just wild. But YouTube's rewarded me with, with a lot, a bigger audience that they might only catch two out of those five, but they're watching the content. So, you know, um, uh, I, I kind of like railroaded from your question, but there, there absolutely is an addiction. <laughs> I have a screenplay I'm trying to write and I can't focus on it. Yeah. Yes. There's, but, <laughs> I know the feeling. but it's a job now. So it's like, all right, um, I'm, you know, I got my daily planner, which I almost never use. I'm trying to block my schedule out. I'm trying to only do bachelor content till 1 PM. And then unless there's like sh earth shattering news, if I get a story at 3 PM Pacific time, it's, it's just save it for the next day. And then I'll just start compiling ideas for the next day. And then when I wake up at 6.30 with a coffee, I'm just ready to bang out the next day's content. So, you know, you kind of, um, the addiction, but then, then again, when there's a hot story, that dopamine rush, you see dollar signs, you know that you're going to make some extra money. Mm -hmm. It's like, how many, how can I find a way to tell this story five different ways in five different videos? Because the audience will keep watching as long as you keep bringing them some new content. And like I always preach, um, the two different things that you need to, to, to make anything online is entertainment and or information. So I try to give them some information and some entertainment in whichever order, some of the more irreverent videos, if I'm making fun of Madison's boyfriend's hair, are going to be more entertaining. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to, it's, if you're watching. pure information. Yes. It, it's I need to know how that hair looks like that. Oh my gosh. I just, I just created a new playlist that is, um that is like, where I'm going to start, stop, start putting my top videos because they would just get lost. But I had one video when Clayton was announced as, um, the next bachelor. No, before he was announced, he was on like some local Fox news in Eureka, Missouri. And there was this Fox news clip that was like, all right, we're going to go down to the scene. We're going to go talk to Erica and see what the whole day is all about. And I took that. And from there, I grabbed like a, a a reporter microphone and had a mic flag on it. And I did. And then I put a green screen behind me. That was the scene of, you know, of Eureka, Missouri. Eureka. And, I, and I, and I, and I did like a whole like three minute, like I like whatever the joke was, I hit it too hard. And I was just like, you know, like a joke becomes less funny, the more redundant it becomes. Sure. And then eventually it becomes funny again. Cause you've committed to the bit so far. So I would say that was probably my favorite video where I was like, man, if I had more, 
time for production value, I would always have like this like on on site reporter ready to go. Um, you know, because like <laughs> I I basically like went from this setup to then playing a 10 second clip of the anchors introducing the next person. And in that time I had to put an outfit on and change the mics and then come right back to it. And it was just like, so stupid. It was probably one of my least watched videos and probably my favorite one, but it wasn't one of those like salacious stories. Cause at that time, yeah. Clayton videos weren't getting any views because no one even knew him yet from yeah. Michelle Young season, um, hadn't even started yet. So like no one knew who this yeah. guy was. It was almost like, he was spoiled too early on versus like a Katie Thurston was announced middle where people had already known her. So it, it didn't really have any re relevance, but I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Um, so I, yeah, the, any, any of those goofy stories that don't harm people, the ones where I go hard on somebody, I'm always kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to piss people off, but I'm going to call people out on their bullshit or like, you know, all the PPP loan stories we've covered where mm -hmm. Ari's complaining mm -hmm. about the price of avocados from his second home on a Range Rover and all these things. It's like, those stories are hard to not make because you're, you're just like seeing such egregious violations of like what people are doing with their platform. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. <laughs> I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. 
These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days, with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, but yeah, they, I try to balance it out between Goofy and... and tr- don't get me wrong. I hate the, the stories that are super serious. The, the conversations around like real accusations and stuff. Like I don't want the power mm-hmm. to have those conversations with people that don't, uh, haven't you know, I don't know, like share their opinion or, or allegations that don't have any sort of evidence. Like that's a heavy place to be. And I don't want to have to be there, but also you get called out when you don't discuss it. So I'm trying to find ways to discuss things without completely vilifying people, whether it's their old tweets that have come out, you know, just understanding that like, Hey, it just goes to show that people, you know, everyone's evolving at their own pace and they're all getting exposed to a national audience for the first time. And like, I'm just trying to give boatloads of grace because I don't know what I would be like if I was on that show and like I, you know, got too drunk and and, and yeah. like yelled at another contestant or you know what? I don't, mm-hmm. like, we don't even factor in. I mean, how how hangry people get and when they don't they don't give them a lot of sleep and they don't you know they, they don't give them all their the access to their comfort blankets of technology and then and then chaos happens and then they re-edit them to look like whatever they want. I think something that Lizzie and I have learned over the course of us doing Game of Roses is exactly that, that these are just people put in this crazy circumstance. And yes, Seleucian protocol applies. You know what you signed up for to some degree, but what you're seeing on TV is almost never accurate. So that has to be thrown out the window almost immediately. If you're like really feeling some type of way about like uh, Victoria Larson or something, you know, like, oh my God, she's a terrible person. It's like, no, she's not. In many cases, the things she's saying aren't even actually said in that order. They're playing them on the back of her head and they've cut it from an ITM or whatever. Or it's an impression they were doing of another person in some cases. Yeah, Anna Redman, uh, entertaining men for money. That was her supposedly impersonating a producer who told that to her. And then they cut it in to make it look like she was saying it. But whatever the case... I just want to ask you one more one more thing. We have talked about potentially putting together some kind of a bachelor event, almost like a salon for people who do bachelor coverage out here in LA. We even bandied around the idea of renting out the mansion to do it. I still want to do this at some point. I know you're a busy man. We're also busy as well, but we got to get on this. 
at some point, this has to happen. Yeah, I know we talked about that. Was it on my channel? I've done yeah. your podcast before, yeah. right? I can't tell because I know you guys have been no. online. We did yours once. This is the first time you're on. Our oh, great. You know, whenever you're first time on someone's <laughs> channel, there's going to be a few people that are like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Join the crowd. Right. Join my, you know, whatever. Um, no, I was I was looking at last Christmas. I was looking at the bachelor, um, the uh, the rent, the Airbnb. They had the it was like, what, six grand mm -hmm. for the weekend. I think we yeah. take some donations. We do a little live streaming. We do a, our own little thing. Mm -hmm. I know I know you can't really open it to the public because they, they only allow a certain amount of guests. But I'm I'm all for that. We But we have to Me get too. it for the weekend. You can't just get it for a day. Yeah. So. But I want to like, I mean, my dream version of it is like, I don't know if we get sponsors or we just fucking bankroll this uh, not that we could but like this is this is my dream version we send out the invitations to whoever wants to come and these are only bachelor coverage people these are people who write for magazines who do podcasts no players it's only this tier like kind of what we're doing we send out the invitations if they're not in los angeles we would fly them to los angeles put them up in a nice hotel and then a limousine comes to pick them up at their place of business where they live or their hotel and takes them to the fucking mansion and they get to have a limo exit and we do it up like the fucking show. There's a red carpet and all that shit. Then we all go inside and it is for however long you want to stay. I don't know if, if we turn it to a whole weekend thing. Everybody's sleeping in the bank bed, bunk beds at the mansion. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> we just torture people. No, but then it would just be a salon where all of us kind of coverage tier people could get together and talk about essentially some of the stuff we've talked about here, what it's like to put on our shows, to write our things, the experiences we've had in it. Because I do think at this point, there are enough of us that that information would be valuable to exchange with each other and to start building this community in a way that like, it only really exists through stuff like this now, going on each other's podcasts and having these, these conversations. But there doesn't seem to be any like real a uh, coherent organization of it yet. And I feel like that's coming. And I think a yearly event like this, especially if it was done right and it was a fun fucking thing, obviously open bar and like super relaxed, everything off the record. I think other than like the, the photo ops and stuff like that and the live streaming, whatever. But you know what I mean? I think that it would be good to galvanize this community, the coverage community specifically, I think it would actually help the show and just help generally the fandom. There's, I could talk for hours about this. It's a great idea, and I would 100% be in. I got, I need, to, I need to write some taxes off here. Um, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and yeah, maybe, maybe you throw like a couple sort of um, maybe like a couple private uh, a pr private live streams, you know, ticketed things or, you know, a meet, you know, whatever it is, cover, cover the yeah. costs and then, and then some sort of charity aspect just so the world doesn't hate us, right. you know, yeah. give, you know, it. but uh, yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think, yeah, cause I think what, what I think what a lot of contestants are realizing is that there's this window of sort of uh, the ability to, it's almost like you ever you ever see one of those um cash grab vacuums that people go in and they get to keep whatever money <laughs> that that's yes. as soon as your contract runs out in Bachelor it's it's what can you grab before you're on your own two feet some people yeah. make it work some people don't some people don't make it work whereas we we have more of an evergreen ability to continue to cover the show and it's replica it's we can replicate what we do by every season we can keep our voices and talk yeah. about it so there is a there is a power there about like banding together we don't have contracts we've had to sign we get in a world if bachelor's going to continue to uh, uh, like hold people accountable through their contracts and create some ridiculous storyline then channels like ours are just 
just going to keep on telling telling people what really happened. And I think that's a good thing without taking ourselves too seriously. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Dave Neal, for joining us today. This has been fascinating and a pleasure as always. Good luck with all your various channels, all the 10 million videos yes. that you're making every day. Anything you'd like to plug? Sure. I've got two stand-up shows tonight um, uh, in Hollywood, uh, 7 p.m. at a rooftop show, Mama Shelter. It's a cool rooftop in Hollywood. I think it's a free show. And then Ooh. after that, a show um, at a bar called Flights in LAX. That'll be like a late night show. And then Thursday is my Dave Neal and Friends show, which is at a cool venue in Burbank. It's going to sell out, but I've got some, I think some alumni coming. And then also um, it's going to be a, just a fun stand-up show in Burbank Thursday May 12th, I believe is the date. So people can go to my Instagram at dneals, D-N-E-A-L-Z, if they want to get tickets or find out more about that. Awesome. Ooh, I'm free Thursday. Oh, please come. I'll, I'll come to you guys. I'll be a Dave Neal friend. <laughs> I think I am too. The first salon. It's happening. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Dave. Yes. Thank you for being a part of our Gore Girl Summer. Super, <laughs> super excited to have you on the pod. I love it. Will oh, and I'm so again. sorry. I know this is the end of your pod, uh, your podcast here, but Clayton Eckerd announced he's doing a Shredded for Summer health campaign, which I'm going to do. If you guys want to do it with me, let yes. me know. Um, I'm going to actually, he's going to be doing like weekly live streams and have a workout program. And I, I'm like, I need to do, I need to do whatever Clayton Eckerd's doing. So we should all do it. I'm down. Get shredded with Clayton. I mean, I'm already about as shredded as a human body can get, but you know. Getting shredded sounds hard, <laughs> but I'll definitely watch and maybe do some stretches while you all get shredded. Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, and where can people find you? Uh, Instagram find you? at Neals, and then just search Dave Neal on YouTube and my content will pop up. And thank you guys again for having me. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming on. Bye, guys. Such a fun conversation with Dave Neal. I feel like we could talk to him for 10 million hours and he has made that much yes. content. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I listened to him talking to me for 10 million hours and now to actually get to talk to him was a rare pleasure. But thanks again, Dave Neal. Thanks for not only coming on our show, but for everything you do, helping to expand the fourth audience's understanding of our beloved game, turning out a mountain of content, and really showing us all, I think, where the bar is set for how to do a YouTube yeah. channel about this and just how to keep constantly churning it out. It really blows my mind. But thanks again, Dave Neal. And for everybody else out there... We hope you enjoyed our program today. And don't forget, we have our brand new logo available on t-shirts right now at gameofroses.co. You can go there, put in your order, get your brand new shirt, and please hopefully send us some pictures of you wearing the shirts. We love to see people wearing yes. them and doing hoojus of them and, and whatever the case may be. Creatures in the shirt. Yeah, get a shirt for your creatures for sure. Etc. Put a shirt on your plant. Whatever you got to keep you sane. Put your shirt on it. <laughs> Any living or non-living object in your home. Also, you know, uh, feel free to give us some ratings on whatever pod podcast platform you're listening to this on. Give us some stars if, oh. you, if you got a chance. You're begging for stars, begging for ratings. I guess my... My song isn't doing it anymore. Please rate this podcast. I think maybe some people like it's such a bop that they don't even right. they don't even hear the real meaning. So like, you know, it's good to remind people. Please rate this podcast. Yeah. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I remember when I made that song. 
we were like at that point really thirsty for the ratings for the reviews and i was like Uh you know what if i'm gonna ask people to rate this podcast to review this podcast to get a friend to listen to this podcast i'm gonna put in some effort and it took me a minute it took me like a week to make that little song to get everything just right it's a perfect song I love that song. It really taught me a lot, actually, about how to use GarageBand and like music construction and stuff like that. Some of what's in that song is still used today. And let me uh, tell you about another song that I started working on this weekend. Ooh. Okay. (laughs) Didn't expect this in the outro. (laughs) It's called It Depends on Who You Wind Up Being. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, do I need to hear anything else? Yeah, maybe you do. This is this is rough. This is just me kind of uh-huh. scratching it out, but this is the basic chorus. Okay. It depends on who you wind up being. Nothing you can do, it's out of your hands. You don't get to choose what we wind up seeing. The TV screen reflects the producer's plans. Ah, I'm I getting there. It. I'm getting there. I was inspired. Another bop. Yeah. So maybe at some point in the near future, I will have that entire song done. But until then, you must Gorgeous. listen to Please Rate This Podcast and hopefully give us some ratings, reviews, share this with some friends. Yeah, it really helps people find the podcast. And, you know, we saw Bachelor Data put out a a recent post that had all of the fan podcasts and how many ratings they had. And it still is, you know, it's a good way to measure a show's audience, sort of. Um, so help us out. Give us some stars. Oh, I saw that. Write us a review. Who do we have to beat? We have like 4,000 reviews or something like that, or ratings. We have about like six podcasts to beat, maybe. But the top ones have like 25,000 or something, right? We could beat them. Maybe. We'll see. Time will tell. But until then, as always, before we go, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,351 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be... Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then.